Play the movie. Yeah, play. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning into another episode of the Milk Movies Podcast. This one coming after, hopefully, a great 4th of July weekend for you. Hopefully, you got to celebrate safely. Big news over the past few days, as Kanye West has announced officially that he will be running for president in 2020. He said it years ago that he was planning on doing that. He finally made the announcement known on Twitter. I have no idea if it's too late to run, but 2020, it's a movie. This year is fake. Nothing makes sense. Why wouldn't he make this official? Why wouldn't he actually run? Can't imagine it's going to go any farther than him actually just making that announcement on Twitter. But who knows? Again, what a year it's been. Big time rumor uh, last week as obviously we've been talking about the DC Extended Universe a lot lately. We've been talking about Michael Keaton and his potential role in the DC Extended Universe and where his uh, 1980s Bruce Wayne would come into play. Now... It sounds like, as much as I'm certain Michael Keaton will actually come on to play Batman, it does sound like, if for whatever reason, that plan falls through, the backup choice is none other than Christian Bale. There is zero chance this happens. I'm, again, I'm positive Michael Keaton is going to take this role and it's going to be great. There's no way that if they don't get Michael Keaton, that Christian Bale is just going to be like, oh yeah, why not? I was the second choice. This is definitely a good idea. Oh, multiple movies too? Definitely. I'm a great guy to work with. I love Christian Bale. Great actor. Great Batman. Not a great guy from what I know. I don't know him, but from what I know, not a great guy. He's not going to like to know that he was the backup choice. And again, with the way they want to take the character, the way they want to bring in a new Batman, Michael Keaton's almost the only choice. He's a good choice. I like the choice. But you can't really go in any other direction. And again, I'm almost positive that Michael Keaton will come on to take this role. So that's that. More than anything, I think it's just a fun rumor. But we'll see. No surprise here. AMC did delay their reopening uh, when Mulan and Tenet decided that they would be delaying their release once again. AMC said, you know what, we're going to wait a little bit longer too. They're delaying until July 30th. So just a little bit of time there before all the major releases come back. The expectation is still that movies will probably get delayed again, but we'll see. AMC officially moving it back about two weeks now to July 30th. Marvel, just talked about DC a minute ago, feel like I haven't talked about Marvel in a while. Marvel has acquired the rights to both the Alien and the Predator franchises and will begin producing comics for each of them. I'm not a big-time comic person. I've never really owned them, but I can definitely appreciate comics. And, no surprise, with the work that Marvel has done with comics, I'm all in on this. This is going to be very cool. I know everyone loves the Alien franchise. They love the Predator franchise. If Marvel's going to jump on board, this is... Let me kind of jump back there. When I say comics, that's the plan right now. They acquired both franchises... And the plan is to produce comics. In my head, my thinking is this is just how Marvel's going to do it. I don't have a problem with it. They're going to they acquire the franchise for each. They're going to make comics for each. Eventually, a few years down the road, we're going to get movies based on those comics. 
I am not saying they're going to tie into the current Marvel Cinematic Universe and connect everything. I, I don't want that. I don't think anybody actually wants that. It might be cool. We'll see. But my guess is it's just going to be make some cool comics, turn them into some uh, cool movies. Hopefully, maybe down the line, they end up making an Alien versus Predator franchise again or, you know, combine the two and make their own little monster universe. That'd be cool. But for now, the plan is just to, obviously, they already acquired both. Now they'll just make comics. That's pretty cool. This might have been actually, now that I think about it, this is the craziest news from last week. Jason Momoa, if you didn't hear, didn't see it on Twitter, at Milk Movies, give me a follow. Jason Momoa has been cast to voice Frosty the Snowman in a live-action CGI blend of Frosty the Snowman, the movie. Good news. It sounds weird. It is weird. But good news, at least. This movie will be coming from the minds behind Elf, the Will Ferrell Elf movie from, I believe, 2003. That gives me a lot of hope. I really like Jason Momoa. You gotta like Frosty the Snowman. You gotta like all the holiday movies. Hopefully, again, with Jason Momoa, a good property in Frosty the Snowman, and with some good creatives behind it, coming from the creators, or at least the minds of Elf, I like this. Hopefully it's just fun. I'm not expecting it to be the movie of the year or anything. I'm, I'm not even close to expecting the level of what we saw with Elf because I know for definitely a certain generation, Elf is a fantastic holiday film. Hopefully Frosty the Snowman can be that for a new generation. So we'll see. I don't even know what year that's coming out. I know it's pretty much just been announced that that movie exists and that Jason Momoa is coming on to, again, voice Frosty. But that should be cool. Hopefully that'll be cool for some kids and some families. Uh, my guess is probably 2021. But regardless, Jason Momoa, Frosty the Snowman, joining, joining together. Keeping with kid stuff, a rebooted and computer-generated movie for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is in the works at Nickelodeon. The last time we saw a movie, or a major movie, I should say, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, did not go well. It was a, almost like, I think, what they're going to do with the Jason Momoa, Frosty the Snowman thing. They did a live-action CGI blend where they tried to make the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles look real. And it just didn't work. They got, they got Megan Fox on board. I think they were trying to go with a sort of Transformers feel, obviously. And it didn't work. Not, not good. Not good. For me, I'm not going to lie, I didn't even finish it when I gave it a watch. Not good. So hopefully, get ready for the minds behind this one. Seth Rogen is set to produce the movie, while Evan Goldberg, James Weaver, and Jeff Rowe are set to direct. I think that is very cool. Hopefully, they can kind of put a new spin on what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are or what they can be. I don't... I don't personally have any attachment to the TMNT team, but hopefully this works. I'll give it a shot. Whenever that comes out, hopefully, I, I don't know if it's going to be uh, like just a Nickelodeon movie where it's just, it premieres on Nickelodeon, or if it's going to be something that actually goes to the theaters. But regardless, that should there should be some potential there. So looking forward to maybe not seeing it, but some potential from that. Uh, hopefully a trailer, maybe a new synopsis down the road. ton of trailers this week, too. We just talked about Seth Rogen. Let's get into an American Pickle. Very, very, very much looking forward to this. Actually, just about a month away now. 
An American Pickle stars Seth Rogen. It is coming to HBO Max on August 6th. It'll be, if it's not their first, it'll be one of their first HBO Max originals. It actually comes from Warner Max Studios, so definitely look forward to some high production value on HBO. That's not a surprise at all. But the synopsis here, an immigrant worker at a pickle factory is accidentally preserved for 100 years and wakes up in modern-day Brooklyn. It looks fantastic. We've got, if you haven't seen the trailer yet, again, follow me on Twitter. Uh, it looks great. Seth Rogen is going to play a modern-day version of himself paired with his own 100-year-old version of Seth Rogen. It's going to be his great-great-great-grandfather, great-grandfather, whatever it was, but two family members 100 years or so apart, and just kind of making life work. It looks fantastic. I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of a drama, heartfelt story side to it. Like, Seth Rogen has actually been doing a good job of lately, as well as some fantastic Seth Rogen comedy. So I'm looking forward to that. Again, that is August 6th, coming to HBO Max. Uh, the Tax Collector, starring Shia LaBeouf, it is directed by David Ayer. That will be coming the following day, so August 6th will be a Thursday. August 7th will be a Friday. Uh, the Tax Collector comes August 7th. A tax collector for a crime lord finds his family's safety compromised when his boss's old rival shows up in L.A. and upends his business. When working with David Ayer, Shia LaBeouf, the last time, he worked with him in Fury. For Fury, Shia pulled out a perfectly healthy tooth and gave himself a real scar for that role. Good movie. Great work from Shia LaBeouf. This time around, working with David Ayer, he added new chest tattoos. And if you haven't seen him with the shirt off for this movie, he went all in on it. I know he already had some tattoos, but especially with his chest area, again, all in, totally inked up. This looks really good too. Uh, I know it's from the minds of Sicario and everything, so hopefully we're going to get a great similar movie to that. Kind of like we mentioned with Avia, Ava being a new version of John Wick. If this is going to be kind of like Sicario, cool. I'm all in on that too. So again, The Tax Collector starring Shia LaBeouf, directed by David Ayer, coming August 7th. Uh, not coming for a while here until December, but Respect, starring Jennifer Hudson, will follow the life story of leg legendary R&B singer Aretha Franklin. Who better to portray Aretha Franklin than Jennifer Hudson? This should be really, really good, especially if it's going to be a December release, especially when the box office, we'll see, given everything that's going on, how well the box office can recover. But typically, December movies at the box office perform very, very well. So if they're already planning on this being a December release, expect a really good movie from Respect. Again, starring Jennifer Hudson, again, who better to portray Aretha Franklin than Jennifer Hudson? So really looking forward to that. It looks like a pretty solid trailer. Um, again, not coming until December. I believe it's December 30th in France that they'll be getting that movie. Maybe we'll get a similar release date in the United States, but we'll see again, Respect, The Tax Collector, and An American Pickle all dropping trailers this past week. Uh, upcoming this week, not a ton of news this week, which is actually kind of a relief with how much we've been having lately. Uh, next week, we have Palm Springs releasing on Hulu. A couple of streaming releases, actually, this week. Uh, Palm Springs on Hulu starring Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti. When carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. Uh, next up, we have Greyhound, and I should mention, too, Palm Springs will be receiving a review on the podcast next week. Uh, so look out for that again on Hulu. Greyhound, 
coming to Apple Plus. Again, that was a movie that was expected to release in theaters, I believe, sometime in June. Then the world ended. Apple Plus bought the rights to it. Uh, so that will be releasing this weekend as well. Starring Tom Hanks, early in World War II, an inexperienced U.S. Navy captain must lead an allied convoy being stalked by Nazi U-boat wolf packs. I haven't seen the trailer for this in a while. If I remember correctly, it actually looked pretty decent. Not going to be getting a review, though. I don't have Apple TV+. Plus. I really don't care to get it. I like Tom Hanks. Maybe I'll see it at some point. But right now, don't plan on talking about it this weekend. Uh, but again, Greyhound coming on Apple Plus this weekend. The Old Guard is coming to Netflix this weekend, starring Charlize Theron. This one will be getting a review. A covert team of immortal mercenaries are suddenly exposed and must now fight to keep their identity a secret just as an unexpected new member is discovered. This one is an adaptation from the books. I have heard kind of mixed reviews on this so far. No surprise from what I've heard. Charlize Theron shines. That's great. Unfortunately, the movie isn't really able to keep up with her, and it's just kind of not great. Looking forward to seeing it myself, though. Maybe I'll have a different perspective. Uh, and finally, Relic, that kind of came out this past weekend, is kind of coming out this weekend. It's kind of all over the place. Regardless, by Friday, you will be able to see it. Relic, uh, kind of available on demand, definitely available on demand, I should say, and kind of in theaters. Relic, a daughter, mother, and grandmother are haunted by a manifestation of dementia that consumes their family's home. This has got a great score from Rotten Tomatoes. Again, the milk meter, I know, much more important. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes so far. So very much looking forward to a little bit of a horror movie from Relic. So again, next week on the podcast, I will be reviewing Palm Springs on Hulu, The Old Guard on Netflix, and Relic, which will be available on demand. Today, I got a movie from last week, and then I got an announcement for, for you guys in just a minute here, if you didn't already read the title, but Irresistible uh, came out the other weekend. A Democratic strategist helps a retired veteran run for mayor in a small, conservative Midwest town. That one stars Steve Carell, Rose Byrne, and is directed by John Stewart. That one, again, available on demand. I'm going to review Hamilton today, too. Uh, that came out on July 3rd on Disney+. Plus. Um, I kind of, with the holiday weekend and everything going on, um, I really just, I just felt like watching this. It's a great watch. Really excited to review that on here and have you guys uh, hear my thoughts on that. You should definitely see it yourself. I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler there. But for Hamilton, uh, the real life of one of America's foremost founding fathers and first secretary of the treasury, Alexander Hamilton. Captured live on Broadway from the Richard Rogers Theater with the original Broadway cast. So without further ado, let's review Irresistible. Jon Stewart may have been the king of political satire for nearly two decades, but when it comes to whatever he thought he made with Irresistible in 2020, he missed the boat entirely. Irresistible is rated R. Uh, of course, it was directed by Jon Stewart. It is categorized as a comedy and drama, not listed as a politics movie or a political movie. It's definitely about politics. Uh, it runs one hour and 41 minutes long, and it stars Steve Carell, Rose Byrne, Chris Cooper, and Mackenzie Davis. Irresistible comes in just at a 46% full on the milk meter, and thinking back to Jon Stewart's time on The Daily Show from 1999 to 2015, the two things I thought he did well were make me laugh and dumb politics down to a level that I could understand. Sure, there were plenty of times where things were exaggerated or needed to be taken with a grain of salt, of course. 
But his perspective on politics was amusing, it was relatable, and it was empowering in the sense that you felt like you were more in the know. Here, with Irresistible, I didn't get any of that. From a plot that tried to outsmart itself with an overly complex uh, storytelling, to dialogue that didn't make me laugh or feel attached to a single character, by the way, I still have no idea who was good, who was bad, or who, who loved who, because apparently that mattered. I just felt nothing with this movie. Fortunately, as any movie will do to offer some prolonged intrigue, the end credits offered some interesting insight into how Irresistible could potentially mimic real events given the current structure of the government of the United States. I know that seemed a little bit complex, but if you want to see it, maybe you got to see the movie. The end credits were at least somewhat interesting. Now, does that change how I felt about the movie? Not at all. But I definitely think that a similar message at the start of the movie would have carried much more weight in how I viewed and enjoyed the movie as I was watching it. If you're looking for a pure comedy or a pure political extravaganza, Irresistible probably won't be the movie you're looking for, but with politics these days, who knows when something hits the nail right on the head. I really want to use a more sophisticated word to describe just how good Hamilton really is, but I keep getting stuck on wonderful, and I think that works just fine. Hamilton came out on Disney Plus over the weekend. It is rated PG-13. It is directed by Thomas Kale. It is categorized as a biography, drama, and history musical, not a movie, technically. Uh, it runs two hours and 40 minutes long, and it stars Lin-Manuel Miranda, Philippa So and Leslie Odom Jr. Like I said, Hamilton was wonderful. It came in at a 97% full on the milk meter, and despite the nearly three hours that went into admiring Lin-Manuel Miranda's work on Broadway, might I add on my phone in the car on a four-hour drive, I really don't have anything bad to say about the performances put on here. Knowing very little about the life and story of Alexander Hamilton prior to my viewing, I'd be lying if I said I instantly became an expert on him or his impact on the history of the United States, but there was still a very palpable energy that fed from the actors and actresses on stage as they eloquently and robustly sang and danced with oozing emotion. Some of you may be asking, though, could this story be told in a shorter amount of time to seem like a less daunting task? I have no idea. That's not for me to decide. I can assure you that I did not do the research that Lin-Manuel Miranda did for this musical, nor have I written a single musical. So, to put it succinctly, don't let the duration be the primary determinant in whether or not you take the time to see Hamilton. I have long said, the movie can be long. As long as it's got a great story, there's something to be interested in from start to finish. It doesn't have to be perfect, but as long as I can buy into whatever story you're telling from the jump and through to the end, I'm all in on it. It's not my story to tell. So, even with that being said, it's not quite possible to replicate the wonders of the lights and the sounds and the stage that Broadway has to offer, but Hamilton was still a utter delight whether you're a history buff who lives for musicals, 
or a musical fiend who has an interest in history, or if you're simply willing to take the time to enjoy something wonderful, Hamilton should absolutely be on everyone's watch list this summer. That's all I have for news and reviews this week. Of course, no rewinds. Hope you had a great weekend, as I mentioned earlier. This upcoming weekend, remember that you can see four movies uh, on demand or on streaming. We have Palm Springs on Hulu, The Old Guard on Netflix, and Relic. Those three movies we'll be talking about on the podcast next week, or you can watch uh, Greyhound with Tom Hanks, available on Apple+. Plus. Thank you guys for listening. Hasta la vista.